It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio. Now, we had this guy on today named Brandon Lee Gowton. Now, who the hell is he? He writes for Bleeding Green Nation. Now, is Bleeding Green Nation something that people read? Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? We have made it to episode. 100! <laughs> hey! Hey! Whoever thought that we would have made it fucking 100 episodes to this thing, man. This is crazy. When we first started this out, there was, I think my mom and Brandon's mom and Mike's mom were the only people really listening. And maybe they may, and I think they looped it like 300 times, but I can't thank the entire BGN community enough for seriously the entire the entire time we've been doing this thing there was I don't think any of us expected and I know you've probably heard this a million times but it really really is true no one expected this kind of following for the podcast and I know like you know Brandon's done such a great job uh, with the site I think we brought in you know the creme de la creme of of co-hosts and just contributors and everybody else, and we are so thankful that you listen each and every week or whenever we post these things up in the off season. It's been kind of an eye opening experience of what exactly this is, and and you know for for some of the people that maybe think podcasting is a weird medium, I, just for me personally, we know that's not true, and that's a big thank you to the entire BGN community. We wouldn't be in, been here without you. Um, and you know, I, I always, every podcast I've ever started, whether it's on my own 
with a group of people, whatever, it always stops after like 10 episodes. <laughs> so like, to me, to go the extra mile and go 90 plus, well, I mean, like, it's it's a hundred official shows, but, you know, uh, we've done so many little bits in between that who knows how many tracks are actually up there and how many little bits are up there. And um, I, I just want to take this time to announce right here in the beginning, in the first part of the show, that one, we got a pretty fun show ahead of us. We're going we're gonna to be talking about all the Eagles offseason moves. We're going to be doing... You know, just a recap of OTA's mini camp, what everybody's thinking as we're, you know, inching towards some actual football action uh, uh, in August here. But uh, I just want to announce that along with doing and I don't know how many people have actually caught some of the live shows. We've done a couple of live shows uh, and that will be a permanent part of the programming moving forward this season. So the first thing you got to know is the big announcement Sundays and or actually I take that back. Sundays, Mondays, whenever the Eagles are playing, as soon as that final whistle blows, we're going to be live uh, right on the site and be doing them there so you can interact, call in, all that other stuff. And if you can't make it in there, it's still going to be the same process. Well, it'll be there uh, in the morning. And then the thing that we're starting on Wednesdays uh, during the season in midweek, and we might even start some during the preseason, one of our favorite friends who is uh, starting his own website, phillyinfluencer.com, uh, a radio host in Philadelphia for a long time, and he's joining the crew each Wednesday night. Mr. Sean Brace, welcome uh, to Woo. the uh, BGN radio crews. We're going to be doing that, and uh, we're also going to be doing some other stuff uh, with him, and he's starting up a new podcast on phillyinfluencer.com, which you can check out right now. It does uh, Schmitty from uh, Barstool Sports. There's actually some really good Joel Embiid stories <laughs> with him and i advise everybody to go listen to it, especially since the Sixers draft is in a couple of days uh, since we're recording this here on tuesday night uh secondly along with those live broadcasts myself james zelter will, will be there no matter what but we are working on doing uh, doing some things with uh, a couple of local bars around bucks county center city of philadelphia all that other stuff so we will be live and local uh, as uh, many radio stations use that awful tagline, but it is true. We will, we will be there so we can get uh, all of you guys to kind of come and hang out. Uh, and we're working on some sponsorships and stuff where we can hand out certain things. Uh, I know we're we're talking to a couple of beer companies and obviously our good friends at Duncan. We're trying to figure some things out. So a lot of exciting news uh, as we start the show here, getting that going. Not only uh, are, are we got all that stuff, but joining us on episode number 100 is John Durdbus, your favorite long snapper from the Philadelphia Eagles, as we sat down and talked with him last week after, you know, PFF announced him the best long snapper ever uh, 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 last season and had a really great conversation with him. Also, Eagles beat reporter from Birds 24-7, also from 97.5, the fanatic Mr. Tim McManus. We will finally be talking to Tim, and I have no idea why it took 100 episodes for him to be on the show, but we are very grateful uh, to... Uh, have him on here. So aside from all that, and I've wasted at least five minutes just spouting as the guys that I know and love and have been here just about every step of the way and through every different uh, episode along here with us, the BGN radio crew is here with us and I'll introduce the man in charge, the man that uh, got me in touch with uh, all the podcast world of BGN, our fearless leader, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton. What's going on, my friend? How are you? Brandon Lee Gowton. Now, who the hell is he? Who? <laughs> Hey! Who? Who is that? Who? Uh, yeah, buddy. Uh, so glad that uh, we uh, we were able to start this thing. And uh, a big happy birthday to Mike K, who couldn't be with you here live, but we have a special message from him. I never put this in audio, and I wanted to because uh, I kind of like left weird abruptly. 
But uh, hopefully I'll be on the 100th show. But I wanted to thank all you guys who are listening because, you know, John, uh, Brandon, and I started this, uh, what was it, a year and a half ago? Yeah. And it has just blown up into this amazing thing. And I'm so proud of John and so proud of Brandon and so proud of Matt and James and Patrick and Dan and pretty much anybody who's on here. I'm proud of Ben. Ben's doing a great job replacing me because I'm like a really terrible writer. And uh, you guys, uh, you guys really got me through a lot and got us through a lot. And, uh, we're forever grateful. And uh, yeah, man, I love you guys. And you guys are the reason why I'm at where I'm at right now, writing professionally and going to OTAs and training camp and seeing all these O-linemen bare asses. From 97.5, the, the fanatic who uh, produced on this morning's show with uh, Anthony Gargano and John Marks, I heard his Sweet, beautiful voice coming through the uh, the terrestrial airwaves of Philadelphia. Mr. James Zeltzer, what's happening, pal? John, uh, I don't know about what Brandon's talking about because I've heard this is the best Eagles podcast <laughs> out there. Connor Barwin told me that. So, yeah, man, I'm psyched. I can't believe we're at 100. It just feels like yesterday we were, you know, game rap, doing game raps a couple years ago and just getting started. So it's uh, very exciting stuff. Yeah, it's, it's also interesting that Eagles players know of the website, but certain people in the Philadelphia media do not. Uh, but uh, uh, glad that, uh, you know, everybody's aboard here. And, of course, the I guess the next man that came aboard, and we'll introduce it like that, is one of the most beautiful people on the planet Earth, his silky smooth NPR tones, along with his actor headshot in this good at taking picture selfies mr patrick wall what's happening buddy how are you a hell of a dresser too <laughs> do i take selfies i i think i'm uh no, you're, you're, i think i'm <laughs> I, I think you 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 have that you have that one like really badass jean claude van damme looking selfie of you in like a leather jacket and you got your hair slicked back and all that stuff it's from a couple of years i don't know if it's still up but uh, it's out there we know it's Shout, out there shouts to bull wolf on that one yeah that's uh <laughs> A Bo Wolf shout out on episode 100. You can't beat that. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't listen. Hey, it's uh, it's been great to be on the show, and it's uh, still a dream come true. I remember my first uh, episode was the Bears game of last year, so I guess that was week 16. Oh, that's uh, right. What a game that was, too. Yeah, super excited to be here, and uh, I love you guys. Let's and, get it going. And it was kind of weird because at that time, as soon as Patrick came on, it was a great omen because it was our most, it was the highest show, the uh, highest rated show we've ever done. It was the first time that he came on, uh, and that was really sweet. And the man that I, I think has uh, contributed just a ton ever since he's been on here. We, You know him. You love him. Uh, just like Nick Foles and Earl Thomas does from our Eagles, Mr. Matt Daring. What's up, buddy? You know, I'm the only one on here who doesn't use his real name on Twitter. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> it's bad for your uh, brand, Matt. Well, every terrible. once in a while, somebody will tweet John and be like, who is Matt? <laughs> I cannot be like, oh, he's, find he's that guy who's always named something John something. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Johnny, you brought me on here. I don't know. I It was it was awesome. I love it. I I live with a Steelers fan and a Browns fan and my girlfriend who uh, will sometimes pretend to care when she wants to. Um, and I love her. But so you that know, sounds it, like it, a that sounds like a sitcom there. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh, I'm messy and he's clean. No, but um. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I didn't have an outlet. So when you brought me on here, I was just pumped. I was just pumped to come on here, talk Eagles. Just, you know, I'll, I'll talk someone's ear off and they fucking hate it, you know. <laughs> so when I come on here and <laughs> you guys, you guys will listen to me and, and then you get to, I get to make a bunch of other people listen to me too. It's it's a hell of an honor. But, but Johnny, we wouldn't be anywhere without you, man. Like, you know, That's we're all out yeah. here and yes. we, we 
are trying. And we know we put a ton of effort into this and it's for you. We, we put a lot of thought into it. You know, we're passionate and we're passionate about this, but we're, we're passionate about you, buddy. Like when we come on, we are, you know, I, I try harder at this than I do at my own career, my own shitty, <laughs> shitty career. And, and, and it's because of you, man, like we, we all want you to, we all want this to take off and we want you to be the face of it. We want you to be, you know, at the top and whatever we can do to help you out, man. It's, it's all, it's all it's been about since I came on. Thank you, It's man. just, it's just, well you know, said. you're, bonded, you're a shepherd, you. John. Guys, shut up. I'm talking. When we come on and we, we just, we just, you know, yeah, that's it. I, that's all I got to say. We, we, we want to shut us up for that. Yeah, I know, right? Man, yeah. can we edit this out? Um, no, but, but, but when we we're when running we, out of time, guys. Come on. When when we when we come on here, it's for you, Johnny. We we want you to we want you to be the star. You got the chops. You are the host with the most. You are the MC to end all MCs. You can get into it when you want. You can host when you want. You kick it over to the right people. You ask people for things at the right times. You have a good sense of who's got something to say. It's not just turn taking or whatever else. You are a pro. And man, I don't know where we'd be without you. I appreciate that, bud. That's, uh, that's, that's that, that, that was the best. Uh, what's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? We have ever had in the hundred episodes. <laughs> it felt good, so that's good. I uh, yeah, man. Just like I said, like. I know everybody contributes and, and, and does all that other stuff, and, and we have uh, certain guys that kind of pop in and out, but this crew right here is has been phenomenal. And, and Mike K, too, I don't want to leave him out of this like we're not doing anything. The job he did in the offseason was absolutely fantastic. I know we've just been kind of having a little mini circle jerk here for 10 minutes and 45 seconds, but I don't I don't care, man. This is this has been awesome because of everybody that's here. All the, you know, all of uh, the the listeners that are just kind of, you know, keep coming back and tell us what they like and don't like and all this stuff. And I know where we want to get into some ego stuff here, too, but it, it's just so funny reminiscing about all this other stuff, because you guys remember when I just put music beds underneath to start this thing? Because I, I had I had come from working with the National Lacrosse League and literally the only thing I could do to keep anybody's attention to see <laughs> listener ticks up. It's just to have this soft techno beat in the background. So it feels like it's keep moving right along and all that other stuff. And for, and for 30 some odd episodes, nobody said a thing and they're like, yeah, man, can we cut out the music? And I was like, is this a thing? And then I, I remember asking everybody's like, yeah, this is really distracting. I was like, oh, no, man, I like it. It's, it's BGN radio a podcast. You can fuck to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um just just with all, all <laughs> just the thought of people having sex to us yeah. talking is just too much for me to handle <laughs> Nick Foles is white you guys yeah. <laughs> Earl Thomas oh god uh yeah it's, <laughs> but uh yeah seriously it's been it's been a really fun ride and we've got Tons of other things that we're just kind of keeping our, our cards close to the vest here because we have potential to do a, a lot of great things and just keep uh, keep this thing going here. So uh, let's finally get into some Eagles talk here because I don't, I don't want to uh, waste uh, the entire time just uh, gushing over how happy we are we made it to this point. But, uh, you know, Brandon, when we look at uh, overall, when we kind of look at what's been going on, what you've noticed uh, on in OTAs and minicamp and, and everything like that, What's been the biggest, I guess, surprise for you if there has been one? Mine's still kind of been this this Walter Thurman playing safety. Uh, I think it's because nobody really had any idea that that was a possibility. And now that it's here, 
it, it kind of makes sense, but are you confident one way or the other with rolling with him and Jenkins like that into the season to start? Yeah, I definitely think that was the biggest surprise. That was, you know, the first day of OTAs. Chip has his press conference, and that's one of the first thing he brings up, and everyone's like, oh, no one, like, no one was even thinking of that at the time. And believe it or not, I, I feel like we should have because I feel like this is a move that actually does make sense. I feel like uh, Thurmond is a talented player. I heard you, John, talking about this on the radio with Haas the other day. I mean, he, he's a guy who who's very good in coverage. I think you have concerns about his tackling skills and his ability to stay healthy, obviously. Yeah. But I think you put him behind a front seven like this, and I think that kind of, you know, the issue is a little mitigated there. I think, you know, he could really be an interesting player at safety. I don't think he's going to be an all-pro or anything, but I think he can be a solid starter. I think he can be an upgrade on Nate Allen which might not be saying so, so, so much <laughs> yeah. to some people, but I, I think he can be, between him and Malcolm Jenkins, I think that's a pretty solid starting safety duo. Yeah, and James, the other thing that I noted along with the Hoss is just, I know that Malcolm Jenkins has talked up Nolan Carroll for, for a long time here, and I know that there's other people here that are saying, yeah, there's a, there's a even Brandon has said, there's a pretty good shot that he's going to start week one. One, I guess, I, I I understand that because it's really hard for a rookie CB to kind of come in here, take over the starting role and all that other stuff, but I, I'm really not buying this hype train at all. If Nolan Carroll was really that good to kind of, you know, then why was why didn't he take over for Bradley Fletcher last year? Why weren't they training to do that instead of just being specifically dime? But, uh, you know, are you buying into Nolan Carroll in the secondary as your starter that could you know, unseat this second round draft pick that seems to have a really high ceiling here. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've seen where chip is sometimes reluctant to start rookies out right off the bat. Uh, so it doesn't shock me from that perspective and, and everything you've heard, not just how good he looked in camp, but you know, we had Adam Kaplan on the station. He talked about how he's put on weight. He's had maybe the best off season away from the team as anyone on the team. Uh, he's made a lot of strides, apparently, physically and a second year in the system, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I think that last year, we, I think we all thought that Carroll or Boykin would have been better on the outside than Bradley Fletcher. I think that, that was more of a, a mistake from the coaching staff than it was the fact that those guys couldn't compete at a higher level than Fletcher. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually intrigued. I think that it might I, – I do. I think it'll start off that way. I, I don't know if he'll keep Roe off. I, I think there's a chance that Roe takes over, especially if Roe can develop quickly. But I, I think based on Chip's history and, and everything we've heard about how good Carroll looks physically, I, I certainly think it's a real possibility that he starts the season outside. And one of the things that kind of – I guess not only in the secondary here, Patrick, but I guess overall, uh, we can like – Kelly's moves or dislike them as, you know, whatever way. I know there's like a thousand different opinions of God almighty. Am I sick about, I'm totally sick of, of talking about Eagles O-line depth, like at nauseum. I think we've already covered what could and could not be there, but just overall, when you're looking at this roster, there's been a ton of turnover. Obviously we know that, you know, you always get to hear, well, Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly's not Andy Reid. He's going to have his team ready. That's all fine and dandy. And I think that towards the end of the year, this team will really gel, but I think there's a possibility that the first few weeks of the season here are going to, are going to be rough. I, I you know, I, I just think that there's too many new starters coming in here. You're ripping apart a secondary and granted it wasn't a good one to begin with, but just by putting better talented, well, that's kind of silly to say by putting better talent and they're not going to be better. I just think they're, it's going to take some time to gel. And despite the early schedule on paper, I'm still a little worried that this team 
might not be able to come out swinging like a lot of us are hoping so. Or do you feel the same way, or do you think that that's a non-issue going into the season? No, I think it's definitely something to be concerned about. I mean, if you look at the schedule early, I mean, you've got the first four games, even really the first six games, there are a lot of very winnable games in there. In fact, they're probably all winnable. Uh, shouts to the fan post that went up on BGN uh, today, Tuesday. That was how the Eagles could go 7-0 and to start the season. But I think a lot of the areas where the Eagles are strong, um, there are related areas in which they may be weaker. So, for example, you're not sure what's going to go on with the quarterback situation. You have a quarterback in uh, Sam Bradford who you're hoping is ready by training camp. And then, uh, by extension, you're hoping he's ready for the regular season. So what do you think? Okay, well, if quarterback's not going to be ready or if maybe it's a question mark going into week one, at least you've got the running game you can rely on. Well, yeah, the running game looks like it's going to be strong because you got some great running backs in there, but you're also going to be starting two new guards. So it all kind of plays in together, and that's part of why football is the ultimate team sport. Um, but, you know, you're looking at a couple places where it's going to take some time to gel. You're going to have two new starters on the O-line, like I said. You're going to have uh, three new starters in the secondary. So even as good as the front seven is going to be, and even the uh, the depth there, which we all love to talk about, is going to be good. Uh, but the reality is you're still looking at a lot of new starters in key places. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them struggle a little bit. Um, you know, you hope that it's it's a small enough issue that it doesn't cost them games, especially when you're talking about games like the Falcons, the Jets, you know, the yeah. Panthers. You're hoping that that the team is collectively good enough to still beat those teams. But, you know, could it could it be an issue against a team like the Cowboys, even though you're playing them at home or going to Washington on the road? Uh, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. But, I mean, it's definitely something to think about and not really something you want to just brush off. And, Matt, I know we've talked about this guy and everybody, it seems like this is the second year in a row that we've talked about Zach Ertz being that, this is his breakout year. Like this is this this is the time where he's really going to shoot it out, and I I, I want to get excited about it. And I think I lean towards you a little more. Of like I, I will kind of believe it when I see it, and I also understand that if he was probably in a I don't know in a non Chip Kelly offense, he would probably look a little better. He'd be on the field a little more because he'd be used more. Like I'm not saying he's Jimmy Graham, but used more in that sense. And I'm not exactly sure. If that's going to bust out right away, because again, there there will be some a lot of mouths to feed. But uh, I like that he started a new blog. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, other than that, though, I, I I'm not sure if he's going to really you know completely like break out and go for 1,200 yards or something ridiculous like that. But is there what what's stopping you? I guess from getting going full tilt excited about Zach Ertz here. The year is 2027. This is Zach Ertz's year. They sent me uh, back to destroy you. Get some back in time to teach Zach Ertz to block better. By the way, block me on Twitter for criticizing his blocking. Um, uh, we, I didn't even. I didn't Zach, even. We love him. you. We love you. That. I don't do that. I don't yell at players. That's stupid. If you do that, you're stupid. But I just mentioned him, and I don't know. If, I didn't. I didn't mention him. I said his name, not his, you know, Twitter sign and whatever. Sorry, Zach. This is what you do. Dude, I, I feel bad about it, but um, uh, I I sort of think like 
okay, like let's let's look at this another way. Like we all expect Zacherts to be this big time weapon, but like what if he already is? Like I think he's already a pretty big time weapon. Yeah, maybe the Washington game inflated his stats a little bit, but like look, you're not going to get 1,200 yards out of a tight end. Like, nobody's going to do that. That's that's absurd. That's silly. But, like, if you get, like, 700 yards and seven touchdowns out of him, that's an amazing year. And he's, you know, he's been really knocking on the door of that for a little while. You know, he's been a little bit off one place or another. But I think he might already be, like, sort of where he is. I don't know that, like, more playing time, if you throw more playing time at him, is that going to be the answer? Um, I certainly think his downfield blocking is is kind of pathetic. Um, and I'm sure that's why he's not on the field. You know, the point of attack is one thing, but but like when you get when you get downfield and he just comes and he can do it, he comes streaking down the field and just takes out the totally wrong guy. You know, like dude, that's that's the wrong call. You did bad there. Like that's the sort of thing that'll cost him playing time. Um, so as far as like taking a big step as playing time is concerned, I wouldn't really be. I would be pretty surprised if that happened. But, you know, the production is production has been trending upward and it's already pretty excellent. So I think as far as that goes, you know, fantasy football or whatever, I think that he's much he's he's already there. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm just not. Yeah, I don't think he's Jimmy Graham. I don't think he ever will be Jimmy Graham. I don't think he's plays in the offense, nor does he have the makeup to be like that sort of uh, reliable kind of weapon, you know, or even if you want to talk about like possession receiver kind of stuff. I don't really think that's it either. I think he's like he's a deep threat home run hitter of tight ends. Yeah. And I think there is a potential and I tweeted this out today that I, I think the only way he jumps is actually if that Bradford Ertz chemistry is is kind of a reality thing. I kind of looked at as Sanchez to Matthews, and I'm I'm sensing Brandon. I don't know if that's true or not. Are you sensing that as far as you know they kind of have an early chemistry? Like you know Sanchez really liked Jordan Matthews last year, and I think you you had noted that I think every quarterback kept throwing to Ertz this year. So I don't. I, I, are you feeling that at all with anyone in particular, or do you get the sense of that overall that he's going to be you know one of those big weapons here as Al Galore gets. Uh, you know, kind of acquainted with the offense. Did you just say Al Gore? That's <laughs> what I thought too. I, I, I think my tongue. Well, I think I think my tongue like was the football. Aguilar, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I know. Um, no, I I think Ertz has had a really good spring. I think I've been really impressed with him. Uh, everyone's yeah, like I said, everyone's throwing the ball his way, and he catches everything too. I don't. I I didn't see a lot of drops. Uh, I saw a lot of nice catches. Uh, I think Bradford is really targeting him early on. I think that's kind of his guy. He's the early favorite. Uh, there are even some plays where like not too many, cause I think Bradford had a really good spring too, but there was a play on the last day of practice last week where like Bradford just threw it into, into triple coverage. It wasn't in the middle of the field. The pass went out of bounds, but like he, it was obvious like he was just forcing it to Ertz Cause I think that's the guy he really likes right now. And I think, you know, like you said, you saw that last year with Sanchez and, and Jordan Matthews, that wasn't just like a, a summer thing or an off season thing. I mean, that really carried over into the season. Uh, I, I think Ertz has went out of his way to praise Bradford at times. We already talked about, I think how Ertz said Bradford has a better arm than Vic Foles and uh, Andrew Luck said he's had the best arm he's ever been with. So I think they kind of have a bromance thing going on there. Yeah. And speaking of, of the bromance and, and everything like that, uh, PFF uh, had a, you know, along with Evan Mathis, and we all know that story, and we're we're sad that he's gone. And I think we, you know, we don't have to get into to get into that too much. We pretty much covered that on the last show on ninety nine there. But uh, the the man who is uh, we joined last week on the Duncan Philly Hotline was John Durnbus because PFF also loves this dude as uh, they marked him as the best long snapper, which is I'm not even sure how to track that, but uh, maybe maybe uh, he can enlighten us on on uh, on some of that stuff. And we sat down with him. 
last week and talked about a whole bunch of things, and I went one-on-one with them. And this is John Dernbos uh, right here on BGN Radio. And uh, joining us right now on the Duncan Philly Hotline, uh, you know, gracing his presence right here on episode number 100, it is Eagles long snapper, Mr. John Durbus. John, how you doing this afternoon, bud? Good, man. All good. What are you guys up to? Well, you know, just uh, doing uh, some celebrating, getting ready for the Eagles season. And the first thing I got to ask you is, you know, PFF comes out and rates you as the top rated long snapper. Does that uh, move you either way? Any, you know, positive or negative or anything like that? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I, I don't believe everything you read, <laughs> but no, I mean, obviously it's an honor and, uh, you know, as a specialist, we're, we're in search of the perfect rep every time and we enjoy the, kind of the monotony of our job and, and kind of doing something repetitively over and over and over. So, um, obviously to, to get respect from your peers and to get respect from fans and critics and all that, that evaluate a lot of people on a, on a pretty, um, even scale. Uh, and, and to come out on top is, is super cool. And um, But as we all know, the NFL, uh, n- nobody cares <laughs> as far as last year. So it's about coming out and doing your job next year. And, and that, that's as far as to be consistent. So you know, I've been doing this a long time, and, and I love I love what I do. I love my teammates. So you know, for them to come out and give me that honor is, is obviously a really, really cool thing. And I've always wondered that, too. And, you know, the, the New England Patriots in the fifth round draft Joe Cardonia uh, as, and as, you know, for their long snapper spot. Is that um, is that surprising to you? Does that make you happy or anything like that? That you know somebody get maybe gets a little recognition. It's I think it was the you know the twentieth long snapper in NFL history ever to get drafted. So um, you know, do, yeah. you, do you guys have any type of relationship with that? Yeah, I mean it's cool. I mean when I came out, it was Ryan Pompriant who I played against in college, who went down as I think number seventy six in the top one hundred greatest draft picks in Cleveland Brown history. You know, so um, you know now now. More than ever, you're starting to get snappers that are coming out of college. That it's the only position they've ever played ever. You know, when I came out, we all did other things, and uh, you know, and we snapped. Or now these kids have been snapping since they were 10 years old. So, you know, the competition and, and the level that and the skill that these kids have at a younger age is unbelievable. Now they got all these camps, and um, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, there's usually one snapper, you know, that that, that goes pretty high, or is one of the top free agents. Um, that goes every year. So congrats to him. And, and I, I hope he has a great career and I hope he gets to experience the game and uh, snapping offers him so many experiences in his life that he'll remember forever. And I remember talking to uh, Cody Parkey, you know, uh, before the season had started or just as um, you know, he was kind of get going and you talk to a different, a lot of different special teams players and things like this. Like if you wanted to become a long snapper in the NFL, obviously we all know it's hard because you know there's there's the jobs and all that stuff they're very limited what what advice i guess would you give to somebody that is trying to make it in the nfl at you know as a long snapper or should they be doing more along with that i would say you know patience and and don't overreact you know one of the things about being a specialist is in my opinion and this is me observing um I think coaches and organizations want to trust you whether it's good or bad whether it's rain snow or sunshine um, that they know you're going to go out there and do your job. And if for some reason you're off a little bit or you mess up, you're not going to be a head case on the sideline. You're not throwing your helmet. You're not doing this. You're composed. You take a deep breath and you're just like, Hey, my bad, whatever. I'm going to go back to what I do. And then the next time you go on the field, you snap a strike or you kick a bomb. So, you know, be patient. And, uh, when, you know, when you get your opportunity, do what you do. Um, but understand that, you know, for a specialist to come in, um, they have a lot of obstacles to overcome and, they might not make a team, and this is really everybody that's coming out. You might not make a team, and it has nothing to do with your ability. It just might be a cap issue or a roster issue or 
you know, there's so many other factors that go into making it that you got to get a little lucky. You got to understand the business side of the game and don't hold grudges. Nothing's, you know, nothing's personal. Um, and if things don't go your way, don't, don't fall off the deep end. Don't all of a sudden doubt yourself, your ability. Don't, uh, become self-conscious and insecure about what you do. Just take it for what it is and keep grinding and, and you'll get the call and you'll get the opportunity and, and eventually things will fall into place. Talking with, uh, John Durnbus, the long snapper Philadelphia Eagles right here on the Duncan Philly hotline. And you know, we, we've, we talk, the special teams got a lot of praise last year and de- uh, deservedly so. And there's some out there that says there's, I don't think there's any way the Eagles can maintain you know, that, that kind of high uh, expectation going into this year. Uh, I mean, is is that something that you kind of take and want to improve on, you know, into this incoming season? Do you think you can can maintain that same sort of uh, success this year? Um, You know, for me personally, uh, we're we're not the team we were last year. And so that's set a standard, but we're never trying to be, that we're trying to be greater every day. So hopefully we're better than we were last year in many different aspects. You know, when you go back and watch film, uh, there's opportunities that we missed. And so uh, every year a team rotates guys and free agency and, and things happen. So every year, you know, the odds of keeping a hundred percent of the same players as you had the previous year is pretty much zero. So you'll have new guys come in. They're going to fit the culture um, and you're going to coach them up and, and hopefully uh, we have more success than we had last year in the classroom, in the meeting room, on the field, and, and in chemistry as well. And, you know, over the summer, I think you really opened up um, with the, uh, you know, the real-time HBO special with uh, Brian Gumbel and all that stuff. What made you decide to finally kind of maybe open up a little more and, and, and tell your story uh, this summer? It's very impactful, very, you know, a, a fantastic watch, and I was just curious what uh, – uh, yeah, what made you, do um, that? you know, I've done a, I've done a few pieces over the years. Um, I got into speaking back in 2003, uh, and there's a speaker named Kevin Elko who was with the Bills at the time, and actually comes into our facility too. He's a great dude, and uh, he said, "Hey, I got this group of bankers. Uh, you know, you do a few tricks and talk about your life for like 10 minutes." I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. So he's the one that got me into it, and then as I started to speak with him more and more, and he started to book me out more and more. Uh, I kind of started to see that, hey, if you tell your story and, and you, you're kind of entertaining, you can influence people in a great way and you can inspire people in a great way. And you'll actually learn that a lot of these people have similar issues or similar struggles in their life that you know, they'll feel like they're not alone. And so um, when I was put on the platform in the NFL, that's kind of when I started to, to reach out and talk about it and work with organizations, whether it's uh, you know the Wynn Foundation, which is women in need, working with single mothers that were abused, or whether it's um, you know the, the, the Children's Crisis Treatment Center, or um, just working with families where the uh, one of the mother or father murdered the other one. Um, it's kind of a, a thing that I say, hey, look, I'm in the NFL. This is my responsibility, not only as an athlete, but as somebody that's been through something that might not be as common uh, as people think. Um, but I can make a big difference because I came out the other side and I, I, I'm very happy with who I am. I'm very happy in my life on, on a lot of different levels that if I can give these kids the tools that were taught to me because of the therapy that I went through and the help that I have, well, that's, that's the right thing to do. So um, that's the reason I do it. That's fantastic. And I'm, I'm really glad you decided to go on and do that. And we'll leave you out on this one. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're paying attention to any of the NHL or NBA uh, playoffs, but any predictions on those uh, as we're heading out here? Man, I feel so bad. This is not the answer you want. Uh, I haven't really followed the NHL, uh, <laughs> no, and you know what? I didn't really follow. I didn't really follow the NBA until uh, we had a team meeting, and, and one of them was a clip on uh, Steph Curry, uh, and uh, I don't know if it aired on ESPN or whatever, but they played it in our, our meeting room, 
and it showed him and uh, how hard he works from as a kid all the way till now. And it showed his dedication and practice. And um, I'm, I'm a Steph Curry fan. So, you know, I hope Golden State takes it. Well, John, uh, we appreciate all your time right here on BGN Radio. And uh, best of luck to you this upcoming season, man. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, guys. Hey, thank you, guys. And, and thanks, PFF, for the uh, for the award. So once again, just a humongous thank you uh, to John for sitting down with us. And, of course, uh, Tim McManus. Uh, me and James are going to be sitting down with him in in just a little bit here, but uh, yeah, I mean, James, when you're when you're kind of looking now overall, we've we've settled it. I know it's it's really hard to kind of predict what exactly is going to happen going into the season, but you're looking at all the different pieces. You're looking at you know the different running backs, and if we can get Rolling Thunder trending, that would make my day because that's why I think this backfield really is. <laughs> uh, 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 and you know, how, are you feeling any more or less confident? I know it's just shells and shorts and all that other good stuff, but is there anything that you are you've seen or heard or read that makes you feel one way or the other about heading into the season? Well, I mean, look, it's like I, I feel like we need to get like a. Uh, a little ding noise for every time you, someone says, if Sam Bradford's healthy. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's been like the phrase of the offseason, and rightfully so. I mean, that that's the thing is it's – I do – I like the makeup of the team. I think, like you said, I think the running game can be outstanding. I think that if Murray and Matthews can stay healthy along with Sproles, I mean, it could be the best running attack in the league. It's not, you know, some crazy statement to make. Uh, but I, it's all going to come back to Bradford. I, I think that we all know – you know, I think Sanchez – Maybe it could be better in the second year in his le- in the system, but I-, I think we've all seen Mark Sanchez. We know what Mark Sanchez is. You know, he's not going to take us to a Super Bowl. I- if Sam Bradford's healthy, there's at least the potential there. I mean, that guy has the the talent, the skills to to take us far, and I think it's really all going to come down to that. It, uh, in terms of stuff that I've seen that I really like, I'll give you just two guys real quick. Um, everything I've heard about Kiko Alonso has Oof. been pure positive you know we've just the guests we've had on the station who've been down there the the everything i've read is is this guy doesn't even look like he had an issue physically that he's just a monster and and is going to be such a force so i'm really excited to see him and uh and then how could you not be excited about Agor? you know or, or i should say al gore al gore um yeah how, how could you not be excited about al gore and the eagles de- and the eagles offense i mean come on um <laughs> But, uh, you know, just the stuff you hear about this kid, and I know uh, Brandon just put out that piece about, uh, you know, with with him with the picture to just be a good person is your goal for the year. And it's just like it's almost too much to handle. It's like, is this kid for real? Like, is he really (laughs) a football player playing for our team? So um, I'm really excited to see how those two guys pan out. And and in general, you know, again, I'll I'll say the buzzword. It comes down to Bradford's health. That that is really the true key to the season. And we'll get into that right now, too, because this is something that, I kind of put out there, and I think it is a, a, a humongous polarization of, of opinions. Patrick, I'm the, I'm, I'm the opinion, and if you're risking the second-round pick, and we all know that there's, you know, if he goes down and he doesn't make it, there's a, there's a third or a fourth that comes back, depending on how many snaps or snaps he doesn't play at all. I think the risk is already in there, and some people say that there's no reason for Bradford to sign because even if he gets injured, he's not coming back, and he's got enough money saved up, and all this other stuff, but when do you at this point, and I'm I'm of the nature of you need to extend Bradford now any way you can because I think it's going to be, if this pans out, uh, I don't want to deal with it the next offseason. So, and, and I think you can get a somewhat of a team-friendly contract if you do it right now, but I don't know how you feel about that coming into the season here. 
I'm of two minds about it. On the one hand, I don't think there's much of an incentive for Sam Bradford to do it. Um, I mean, he's making the most money of anybody on the team next year. Um, and I don't really even think it's especially close. And if it does work well for Bradford, you know, if he plays well and gets the team to the playoffs or something like that, he can then bid, he can have teams bid against the Eagles for his services. Um, so it doesn't really make sense for him to want to re- to do that now. On the other hand, there is sort of the fear that if he gets injured again, you know, then he's going to be out on his own. Um you know, I think it really kind of depends on on how he feels personally about the money thing, because if he feels like, well, I've made enough and that I'd rather play where I want to play, uh, then maybe, yeah, he is interested in resigning because it sounded like when he got here, he was excited for, about the prospect of playing with Chip Kelly. And after playing under Spagnolo and Jeff Fisher your entire career, I can totally understand that. Um, you know, I, I think it's really just going to kind of be a wait and see thing. It sounds like from all the reports that the Eagles and Bradford are not especially close um, on coming up with a deal, which makes sense because they're both probably looking at this from very different angles. Um, I would imagine that the Eagles wouldn't want to do anything during the season uh, just because that's a kind of a distraction that doesn't seem like it's really in line with what Chip Kelly wants to do in-house. Um, so, you, you know, it's a good question. I, I'm sort of dancing around this because I don't really have an opinion on it. Um but it makes me a little nervous personally to sign him to anything before he's even able to participate fully in practice. Um, so maybe if, you know, after the preseason, you're like, all right, this guy is clearly ready to go and we're willing to, to roll those dice maybe. But um, right now I'm I'm not in a hurry to sign him. Well, one man that uh, may, might be able to give us a little more insight is uh, we'll break away and me and James will sit down and talk to him right now. We are so happy to have him right here on episode Number 100, uh, and the first time that we interviewed his uh, his partner, Mr. Shio Kapadia, uh, we had a big technical problem. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get into that on the other side of this, but we're going to sit down and talk uh, right now on the Duncan Philly Hotline. From Burton's 24-7 and 97.5, the fanatic, Mr. Tim McManus joins us right now. What's going on, Tim? How are you? I'm doing very well, guys. Thanks very much for having me on, especially for the 100th episode, and congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, We were just actually talking about, you know, Bradford's contract situation, and I am of the opinion, but, you know, I don't know if it's it's realistic, that I I do think the Eagles need to work out some form of extension before the season starts with Bradford, just based on the risk that might be involved, if it turns out to be okay, if he ends up staying healthy for most of the year. Is that a possibility right now? I know that there's there's kind of far apart with talks, but do you see that happening coming into this season? I think the the first thing that you need in these kind of negotiations is, is mutual interest, and, and that is there. And the Eagles want to extend Bradford, and, and Bradford likes Philadelphia. We saw by his... Uh, you know, the fact during the, all the trade speculation in April around the draft that they were putting out signals that he wasn't going to sign with anywhere but Philadelphia. You know, there is, there's just a sense that he likes where he is. He likes the system he's in and the opportunity that it could potentially present for him in his career. So the mutual interest is there. And anytime that's there, that means that there's a possibility. Uh, still, it's going to be very tough to, to get something done this year. And the reason is because Bradford has already banked about $65 million over his career. He's making $13 million this season, so he's doing quite fine, thank you very much. And he, <laughs> he doesn't have to put himself in a position uh, to take anything less than what's going to be an optimum contract for him. And that me and you're not really going to get that kind of offer coming off of a, a pair of torn ACLs. 
it's going to be very difficult for them to find some common ground. I think the Eagles would have to go above and beyond what they might feel comfortable doing at this point. For they'd rather have kind of that incentive-laden contract. I'm sure uh, that would that. You pay him like an elite quarterback if he plays like one. Meanwhile, Bradford's just saying, hey, if, if I play well this year, you know, I'm making some, some serious bank. And so uh, while it's possible, I would still view it as unlikely. Hey, buddy. How you doing, Tim? What's going on, Tim? Thanks. Thanks for coming on, man. I'm really excited to have you on. Um, all right. I just want to stick with Bradford for a second. And I, I was saying earlier that, you know, I, I think that, that the key phrase, the buzzword, this this all, entire offseason has been if Sam Bradford stays healthy. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to, to assume he stays healthy. Let, let's say Bradford can stay healthy. What kind of fit do you think he is for this offense talent-wise? And ultimately, what's the team's ceiling with, with a healthy Bradford for you know 14 to 16 games? That's a great question. Uh, there's definitely things that he does well that fits perfectly for what Chip Kelly likes. And, and I think namely even though his completion rate in the NFL is not what you would expect for someone who, who comes with the tag as being a very accurate passer, if you kind of see him and you, and you see the situations in which he's thrown in over his career, you do see that the ball is pretty much on point. So he has the accuracy, he has a quick release, and he has a, he has a quick mind. And that's obviously one of the, the very key elements for a Chip Kelly offense is when you're running the up-tempo, when you're making snap decisions at the line of scrimmage and you're getting the ball out. I mean, that's that's what they want, and that's what Sam Bradford could potentially deliver. Uh, the ceiling is is a real interesting question because I'm kind of conflicted when it comes to Bradford. I, I recognize that he was in a place and with an offensive coordinator that, well, at least for part of the time, that uh, that maybe wasn't maximizing his skill set. So there's still some unearthed potential in at Bradford. At the same time, when usually when you're talking about franchise quarterbacks. You know, they tend to lift all boats. And so I don't buy the fact that ah, he's, he was just in a bad place. He's in a bad system. I mean, if I'm thinking of elite quarterbacks around the league, you know, they lift the system. They make the system. And Bradford didn't do that when he was in St. Louis. Injuries were a big part of it. There's so, there's so, it's cloudy in that respect. Uh, so I think that Bradford can be good. And I think that the if healthy thing, obviously, is number one in everybody's mind. But if he can make it 14 to 16 games, I mean, you know, certainly they can get to – uh, into the end of the playoffs. I'm sure that they can probably win a postseason game or two, but I mean, it's, it's still very much a prove it whether he's able to carry a franchise to a championship level at this point. Yeah. I'm pretty bullish on, on, uh, on Bradford. If he's, if he's healthy, Tim, <laughs> I got, I, I under, I understand the, uh, the lifting part and I could, I actually could not believe how awful that Rams team was. And I, I was talking about that. What I mean, I, I don't think he's of the elite status, either but I just think that just what we've seen with Foles what we've seen with you know even Sanchez and guys that come in here if you put his type of skill set in this offense I think it's going to be uh, really something to see and I, I don't know if you know and this is the other thing that I was saying earlier is just when I look at kind of all the changes with Chip Kelly and I know there's a lot of different opinions on were they good moves? Is it a good move? Was there too too much turnover? I honestly think that this team will come out slow as far as maybe win total and just overall play sloppiness. Do you, do you kind of feel the same way uh, that there might be too much turnover with this to kind of come out of the gates firing here? And in fact, I go back to some of the comments from John Runyon saying that this might be a year where there's a lot of that kind of getting to know one another and it could end up uh, in a bad season for the Eagles. I'm not prepared 
to say that because I think the the talent level, the schedule, that kind of thing, the, the shape of the NFC East at large, I think that they can they can still have a successful season even though they're turning over such a high amount of the roster. But but yeah, I think there's going to be growing pains. I mean, number one for me, you know, let's stick with the quarterback is he is coming back from those two ACL tears and he is going to have to regain his confidence behind center before he starts to thrive, I think. And so far he's done very little uh, and training camp. Let's, let's see if he ramps it up, but I think it's going to be kind of a race against the clock. And once he gets in there, he's going to have very little uh, recent exposure to kind of the, you know, to, to the banging of the sport. Uh, so there, there's that part of it. And then there's an offensive line that has to, you know, that has to gel in front of him with two unknowns at guard and they have to get familiar with the other guys up front. And so, yeah, I think that there is going to be a learning curve here and, and how quickly they can overcome it will, will be a big part in determining just how successful the season the Eagles can have at least record-wise. Well, along those lines in kind of the way this team has been put together and obviously, I mean, I don't think anyone's ever seen an off-season like we just saw. What are your impressions of Chip as a GM and you know what? What have you learned about him in this off season? Obviously, there's the whole culture thing, and and you know you need to fall into line. But but you know how do you assess Chip in his first taste of being an NFL GM? Uh, he didn't go into it lightly. I mean, my gosh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, usually people take on a new role and they kind of dip their toe in and they they feel it out. And uh, yeah, not not so much with Kelly. I mean, he uh, he came out with guns blazing, and to a certain uh, in one area, you kind of respect that because he he knows what he wants and he attacks, and he's not afraid to to cut against the grain and to go out and get what he wants. Uh, we don't know exactly how he's going to fare as a GM until we see the product on the field. So it's, it's tough to grade him. I will say if, if there is a, a critique of him, I kind of point to, you know, Evan Mathis most recently, but there's been other cases of this where once he decides that he's moving on, um, he, he does it. And, and sometimes that can hurt kind of the potential value out there. If, if uh, where there's guys, good, very good players that are going out the door, and nothing coming back in return. Now with McCoy, he was able to get Alonzo, so that that could potentially be very good for them. But with Deshaun Jackson, it was a cut. Devin Mathis, it was a cut, and um, and he's been he's very rigid in his vision. And you can say that's a good thing to a certain extent, but is he going too far? And I think with the the case of Mathis, as we have across the NFL landscape this offseason and every offseason, there's guys that are looking to get more money. This is the time that they try to do it. The only way that they can do it, uh, or at least protest, is to try to skip a couple practices here and there, sit out the voluntary portion, etc. And this has been going on in the NFL forever. And then the fall comes, and, you know, summer goes away, the fall comes, everybody forgets about it, and they start playing ball. And Evan Mathis was a guy that, you know, when he was with the Eagles, was definitely playing ball and was all in and bought into everything that Kelly was selling, et cetera. And so, and it was a very just kind of swift move by Kelly to say, see, ya. you know, you're not part of it. And, and so we're moving forward. And so if there is a criticism, I would say that he's just, you know, he, he's so rigid in his vision that you wonder if it comes back to bite him in some of these circumstances. Is there anything that you, that sticks out that you do think will come back to, to bite him in the butt uh, right now? Uh, actually, I mean, I think, the Jackson absence last year, the offense suffered for it, I think. I mean, from the performance of LaShawn McCoy, there's other things that were going on, but you know, the offense wasn't humming at, this, at the same kind of rate. So that may have set them back last year. And I would say that this year, with the departure of Evan Mathis, not, I mean, 
nobody really thinks that he deserves more than, you know, 11 plus million dollars over two years at coming up on age 34. He was wrong in his, um, in his self analysis of, of, of what his worth was. I think, uh, maybe he'll end up getting a, a bigger deal out on the market, but, but you can see why the Eagles were hesitant to give him a new deal. You know, that being said, you didn't have to cut him. You had the power. You could have let him, him play out this year at $5 million and then move on. And now you're going in with what was already kind of questionable depth at the offensive line that now has been weakened that much more. And so that potentially could come back and bite him right along the offensive front. All right, Tim, last one for you. And again, thank you for coming on there. There's no one else we would have rather had for for episode 100. Uh, And for those of you who don't know out there, you know, you just see the tweets and the articles and stuff. Tim is an awesome guy. He's just a really good dude. So uh, we we really appreciate you coming on. And in that vein, uh, since you do kind of just hear people talk about the Eagles and all that, I want to ask you one fun one on the way out. Uh, Tim is a big music fan. He he loves music like I do. So Tim, Tim, give us the best concert you ever went to. Uh, the best concert I ever went to was probably my first. So I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. Nice. And awesome. uh, yeah, and the and the first show I ever went to was Floyd. It was the Division Bell tour in '94. That's awesome. Uh, just to kick it off, and I've been I've been chasing that ever since, boys. I mean, I've uh, <laughs> I've done some good ones. I, I, I've, uh, I saw uh, Jerry Garcia's last tour '95 at the Spectrum, so I was able to catch that. Uh, you know, before he passed away, that was really cool. I, I had an experience working at the the second Woodstock and was able to take in that whole concert in just a really unique way. Uh, Roger Waters, when he came back and did the wall, uh, oh, that was awesome. by himself that was awesome. a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah, me and my brother went to that, and it was it was killer. Uh, so, but the but the first one still sticks out, and it's and I've been chasing it ever since. Awesome, man. Well, uh, Tim McManus from Birds twenty four seven ninety seven five, the fanatic again. Can't thank you enough for joining us right here on BGN Radio, especially for episode one hundred. We'll catch you later, man. Thank you. Uh, it's been my pleasure, guys, and thanks again very much. It's an honor to have on have me on for the uh, number one hundred. That's that's awesome. So thanks so much. And again, a humongous thank you to Tim McManus. Uh, again, along with Shield, probably one of the one of the best guys that is uh, covering the beat, along with being uh, extremely talented. So we thank you so much for your time, Tim. And we oh, honestly come back uh, anytime you'd like. But uh, Matt, uh, I know you. Uh, before we uh, got to, into everything, you wanted to wanted to address something. So go ahead, buddy. All right. So everybody, I want your opinion on this. What do you think and why? So here's the question: Over under rookies starting week one, snap number one. One half. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that's good, right? What do you think? Uh, let's, let's let's kick it over to Johnny. Hold up, are we? Are we? We're not including special teams, right? Right. Yeah. Or are we? A, no. Okay. Just, just offense and defense. defense. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I'm gonna go over. I think there's. I think there's two rookies that start, and I think it's down to. I think it is down to Roe or Shepard that starts. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that one of those two guys is going to start, and I'm going to go against the conventional wisdom of Nolan Carroll starting week one, and I think Eric Rowe finally gets get, it has enough time to kind of adapt, and they they end up starting him week one. All right. What do you think, BLG? Zero. Zero? Yeah. Wow. No wow. No Algalore. But, well, I, I here's the thing. I don't think they're necessarily going to be starting, but I, I think you're going to see Aguilar play, obviously. Uh the wide receiver thing is interesting because I think Jordan Matthews is locked in the slot pretty much. I think they might use him on the outside sometimes, but I don't think most of the time uh, I think he's going to be in the slot. So I think Huff is also going to be a starter. It really comes down to the other outside spot. I don't think 
Aguilar is going to be the full-time starter. I think he should be. I think he should. I mean, he's talented enough to be, but I just think, you know, they still have Cooper around. I don't think they're just going to, you know, like bench him all of a sudden. And, you know, Miles Austin, they gave him one million guaranteed. So I'm, I'm assuming they're expecting him to play at some point. Yeah. So it's really hard for me to say that even though I, th- I think Aguilar is going to be really good and I think, you know, he deserves a lot of playing time. I don't know if he's going to be immediately starting. And then with Rowe, I really do think Carroll has the 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 heads up there. So I, I don't think he's going to be the starter there just yet. But again, I think he's going to get on the field. So this isn't like a. Oh, no one's starting. You know, every, everything is a failure. Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting. That, that wide receiver three logjam is is weird. I obviously think Mail's on his way out. Ajira Tutu has shown enough that I think even just in his special teams and all that other good stuff is that, that, that he's pretty, pretty yeah, he's much going to take the that. So, um, it, it, but it's going to be and he's Ryan Matthews' best friend, yeah. so he has yeah. to make it. Just, <laughs> exactly. Come on. Yeah, you know, I, I think that I think I'm sort of think. All right, well, here's what I think. I'm going to tell you what I think. Here, it's coming. I think, boy, I am just having, I'm having a day. Um, so I think you, I think you don't see any, but I think, what if I asked you about week two? Week two, snap one. Change your answer or change mine? I don't think so. I, I mean, just think one week makes a big difference, to be honest. Yeah. And then we, and then week four, I'm definitely bumping it up, you know, it's not even like just because of injury. Just, yeah. And then, and then week nine, which comes after week eight. <gasps> Um, Ooh. so, but I, I think that, and I think it's a testament to the talent on the team, uh, part of it. I mean, they've gone out and they've gotten their guys and it's not just this whole veteran reliance thing, although that, I think that is kind of true. And part of me does really hate that, but, uh, I think that this is a, this is a talented squad and, you know, they don't have a ton of holes. They don't have anything where we're like, please rookie help us. No. Um, I think everybody sort of felt that way about Roe and, you know, Roe might be that guy, but I think for now, they have Nolan Carroll, and he's sort of the backup plan. If you know, if they don't feel like it, uh, if they don't feel like Roe is Roe is ready just to to hop right in there. But I I think for my money, I don't think any rookies start. And I think we see, you know, we might see uh, uh, Aguilar play a lot, and we might even see Roe play a lot uh, in dime or something. But um, or Helen Nickel even. Uh, but I I think that you know it's just a testament to the fact that. They, they got it done. They went out and they figured out what they were going to do at all these positions. So they went into the draft and they were able to do whatever the hell they wanted. And and to that point, I'll, I'll touch on it. Buddy, I know you have to go, but I, I thank you so much, obviously, for, again, every, everything you're contributing and all that other good stuff and get out of Ohio. So say, say goodbye to Mr. Matt Daring on episode 100, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye, Matt. Wow, that's really horrible. Wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be episode 100 without Robot James. No, that's right. All, all right, right, guys. Buddy. I love you all. All right, man. Talk to you later. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so that's uh, the, the quick story behind that is is I think every episode, almost every episode, at least for for a good long time, James would turn into that weird robot voice for whatever we for whatever. <laughs> it's happened every single time. And it, yeah, it could be like just after the show, during the show, any of that other stuff. That is uh, that is definitely a mainstay in the BGN Radio. Uh, you know, producing producing of a show. So uh, it's very exciting that it, it finally reared its head. It hasn't done it in a while. So, um, but yeah, we, I mean, you know, Matt, Matt brought up some good points and I think that's how you kind of look and see yeah, with the log jam at, 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 you know, inside linebacker. I know we've been through, through that a whole bunch of times, but trying to fi- figure out a spot for Jordan Hicks and whether he's going to play special teams and, and all that other good stuff too. So it's, it's, it's it really is 
there are so many. I, it's weird because I feel confident about a lot of the talent on this team. And yes, there are obvious holes. Yes, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. But I think regardless, even if they're only uh, a 10-game winner again or somewhere around there, I think it's going to be a lot more fun to watch than the product that was here last year. And I don't know how, how many of you guys feel that way, but I just feel like it's, and I think Brandon even mentioned it in the text today, it, it's not Nick Foles, you know? So that that to me is a win. And I know people get bent out of shape when, when we say that and we think we're Nick, just nothing but Nick Foles bashers in. I guess if you look at the text thread every day, there's a Nick, Nick Foles joke in there somewhere. But it, I, I just like that it's it's a different it's a different way to go with this with this whole offseason. And yes, we've always said, eh, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm down with this. I know the the immediate time when when Bradford got uh, got traded here, it was just kind of like, what the hell is going on? We just kind of all shook, shook our heads. The entire podcast was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know for a half hour. So, <laughs> um, but. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Patrick, are you, do, you, do you kind of feel the same way? It might not be as a humongous, dramatic improvement, but it will be a fun season. Yeah. I, comparatively you know, I talking, last year. Yeah. I was talking to Dave Mangles about this the other day, uh, Dave of BGN, for those who don't know. Um, <laughs> and we were kind of saying we really didn't know what to make of the season. And on the one hand, you're kind of disappointed because the Eagles didn't get Mariota, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you're sort of unsure what to expect from Bradford here. Um, but, you know, the more I think about it, I really kind of feel like this is the ultimate roll the dice move, right? I mean, we're talking about Chip Kelly, as, who who runs a system that is virtually unprecedented in the NFL. I mean, there have been elements of it in other places, but uh, what he's doing is sort of the modern NFL, bringing in a quarterback who has the tools, hasn't put them together for whatever reason, Um and just trying to see if you can hit it out of the park. And it's kind of amazing, John, you did that really, really excellent Sam Goodford, Sam Badford series um, where you watched every snap of Sam Bradford's uh, Rams career and you should get some sort of medal for that. <laughs> that, was, that was, people were really into the Sam Goodford, Sam Badford. Yeah. But it, it's funny because you're watching these clips and you're like, a professional football team was this bad and I didn't hear about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you heard exactly. like, oh, yeah, the Rams are pretty bad, but like they were bad. Yep. And it wasn't even like it was like train wreck bad, but it wasn't such a train wreck that it was like the Jaguars of the last few years or something where it was just everything was bad. It was they were just like aggressively mediocre. And it was like it, it was just sort of defied all all logic. But so you're bringing in the quarterback from that system who's got the tools it's going to be a fun season for a lot of reasons. And I think if things really fall the way that they, that the Eagles coaching staff thinks they will, I mean, this guy really could be the limit. We could be at week 10 this season talking about, well, I mean, can anybody beat this team? And on the other hand, we can be like, uh, so this top 10 pick we're about to get, who do we want? I mean, it, there are so many different outcomes that the season could take. And I think more than any other season in recent history, um, that that by itself makes it, makes it super exciting. Yeah. And, and, you know, you touched on it and it's, it is true. Like when you, when, when I went into that thing, I was just like, it can't, I was like, Sam Bradford had a bad team, but how bad could it possibly be? And there are, there were some points where through that 2011 season where I'm just like, God, I, I cannot watch another game because I'm, I'm, I'm getting mad. Like if I was just a Rams fan, I'd be livid. I would be freaking livid at that product that they kept shoving out there and, and selling you whatever it is that they were selling it. And, and it's it's crazy. And you got to put up with all that. And maybe they get a little glimmer of hope here 
uh, and then they <laughs> get shipped out to Los Angeles. So it's a, I'd be livid if I was a Rams fan overall, but it's true. And, and speaking of that, I think we're going to do a uh, Kiko Alonso version of that just so we can we can do that and get get some more stuff through the dead zone here in, in, in July while we all have some time on our hands. But, uh, gentlemen, uh, we, um, we're, we're going to wrap it up here because uh, we're giving uh, a lot of, lot of time on episode 100 and Obviously, there's going to be uh, some some breaks here. We're probably not going to be recording every week and all that other stuff. But we will uh, come up with some topics, and we're definitely going to get start talking about fantasy football. It's uh, myself and Mr. Tony Casali from uh, FF Toolbox, and, of course, James will be firing that up. So I think through this dead zone here, we'll do a couple of fantasy podcasts and uh, you know get your lineup started because it's never too early to talk about fantasy football. But uh, BLG, episode 100, we are wrapping it up. Your final thoughts, sir. I uh, just want to thank everyone again, as John did, for listening. You know, it really means a lot. And not only listening, but also obviously, you know, visiting the site and all of that stuff. And I really appreciate you guys. You know, it wouldn't be anything without my crew here. You know, I, you know this, is, this isn't just a one-man thing, you know, uh, John, especially just for for, I, I don't think people realize, you know, that John really does all the the heavy lift. I mean, we all contribute here. I don't want to sell anyone short, but I'm saying, you know, John, this podcast isn't being done without him. Uh, we, we, we've had some delays recently. You know, I'm sorry we couldn't get this out sooner because, you know, uh, John had some things going on. But, you know, can't do it out him, without him. So we had to wait. And I really appreciate it. And on a totally separate thought, the Sixers should draft D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, yeah, they should. <laughs> yeah. If that, if that, uh, excuse my language, but if that Latvian motherfucker is in a Sixers jersey, I will burn the city down. And you can quote me on that. Porzingis, give it. Leave him there. I, 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 I am, I'm not saying anything against his talent. I'm not saying that he couldn't have the potential to be here. I do not want that on my team right this moment. You go give me a backcourt of any of the t- Moutier and Hez. Let's do it. I-, I think you should dump every single pick that you have. I don't uh, from Miami to, uh, to OKC's pick, Miami's pick. Dump it all and get back into that top ten and get me some goddamn players on this basketball team. Uh, and Mr. James Elso, your final thoughts here. Uh, I just really want to agree with Connor Barwin. I think this is the best <laughs> Eagles podcast out there. Um, but it's been a blast, guys. I, you know, it's been so much fun to be part of this team. I feel like honestly, I text you guys more than I text anyone I know, uh, which is kind of cool because we're just doing a podcast together and. Uh, you know, it's like we've become this little this little Eagles bleeding green family, and it's been a very cool experience. Uh, echo what everyone else said. Without John, this doesn't happen. None of it happens. We're not doing a hundred. We're not doing episode two, much less a hundred without John. So, uh, you know, he just makes everything go. So we we really appreciate it. All of us do. And uh, I tweeted earlier. Thank you to the listeners, the non-listeners, but mostly the listeners. So uh, we really appreciate it, uh, all you guys out there, all the listeners, the feedback we get, and um, you know, the, this is the beginning of uh, of the way to two hundred, guys. Absolutely, man. I appreciate the kind words, my friend. And uh, Patrick Wall, uh, your final thoughts here on episode one hundred. Yeah, I'm going to jump on the uh, I Heart John Barchard bandwagon <laughs> and let you guys know that when you listen Love to fest. a lot of no, but seriously, when you listen to a lot of of podcasts and there are some really great podcasts out there. I I don't know. I hope people appreciate the, the effort and the production quality and just the sort of uh, professionalism with which John does this podcast. He has to cut out a lot of our infantile yelling (laughs) and bad words 
and all of that to make us sound as professional as we are. This might be, and robot might be James giving too. ourselves away and, and robot James. But I mean, <laughs> this is the reason I think this podcast or one of the reasons I think this podcast is as successful as it is, is because of the, the finely crafted work or the fine, the fine crafting that John does on this, on this show. And it's awesome. And I just want to say uh, thank you to everybody who listens. Um, one of the things that we're really striving for next or next season going going forward here now is to make this a much more interactive podcast. And I think John touched on that at the beginning. We're talking about doing things live and having you guys call in because uh, I think more than any other site uh, and any other sort of Eagles related something, uh, BGN is really all about the community and uh, the podcast is sort of an extension of that. And I think uh, moving forward, you're going to see the kind of interaction and the kind of uh, group love that you see in the comments section of the articles. I think we're going to try to bring that to life in the podcast. And um, we're excited to have you have you all along with us for that. I can't uh, can't echo that enough because we that's um, that's exactly what we want to do and just get you uh, more involved because, you know, we're just we're just some guys that uh, started a podcast. This isn't anything big where we all kind of look and cover the Eagles in our own different way and I, if you're out there trying to go back and forth it's like oh do I have enough time just do it man because it's it's kind of it's kind of exciting what what ends up happening if you find the right people and and come together the one thing that I will echo along with everybody's hard work here that is on the show um I know a lot of people have been saying that, that it wouldn't happen without me but I got to just uh get pretty personal here and just say that I know it's a little it's a little, uh, it's it's a little emotional, but uh, I couldn't do this without my girlfriend Andrea Kavaleski, and that is the honest to God truth. This doesn't exist without her because this was that she's given me like kind of the full support of of doing this thing. Um, and even though it's uh, she puts up with the most crap here because you know we record at some odd hours, and you know this guy's missing here and this guy's missing here, and we kind of put it all together so. This doesn't happen without her, and uh, just to let you guys know, there is, there's just been a lot of different family trouble that has been going on, so that's been part of the delay of 100, but I thank you guys for all the support and hanging with us and all that other stuff, uh, and send all your positive energy to her because she definitely needs it uh, going forward here, but with that being said, I want to thank every single listener that has checked out this podcast, and we will become more interactive towards the season, and can't thank you enough uh, for listening. So for myself, John Barchard, for Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton, Mr. Uh, Mike Kay, who is not with us, but he is with us in spirit for James Seltzer, Patrick Wall, Matt Daring, and Ben Natan. We all thank you so much for listening to episode number 100 right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. John Barchard. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.
Hey, John, what's going on, man? Good, nothing much. I'm really, uh, really excited you're on for uh, our episode 100 here. We, uh, I, was, yeah. I forgot to tell the story. Uh, we just got done recording, but the first time we had Sheila on, uh, my computer crashed right after we were done talking to him. Oh, so no. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. that's the worst. But, uh, the, lost, the lost podcast. Yeah, so hopefully that doesn't happen when we interview you for the first time. <laughs> <laughs>